Thank you for listening to this message from Mount Olive Church. We hope it speaks to your heart today. something about them old hymns like that just they get there in your heart and they touch them heartstrings boy I'm gonna tell you something we need Jesus Christ every day of our lives we needed him to save us from a life of sin I need him to wake up in the morning I need him to go to the grocery store I need him to go to work I need him every single day of my life I just don't need him on Sunday morning I need them on Monday morning. I need them on Wednesday morning. I need them on Friday. I need them on Saturday. It ain't just a Sunday morning thing. We need them every single day. Woo! That's one of my favorite songs, you know. As I was trying to prepare, and Sister Dara says, is there a song you got on your heart? And she had already put that on the list. I said, that's, that's good enough right there. I need thee, Lord. We need him, church. We need them. Everybody out there on Facebook, we welcome you to Mount Olive Pentecostal Holiness Church this morning. Our online service, that covenant's got us out for a little while. We'll be back together soon. We'll be back together soon enough. We're just trying to take precautions to to slow the spread. We had some people uh, come in contact with some COVID over the holidays, and and we're we're just doing this just for a temporary thing, just a season. But, uh, you know, the Word of God is not void. As sure as it goes out and hits these pews, when there's people in these pews, it's going to go out through that camera. It's going to hit those listening via Facebook. It's going to hit those listening via YouTube. And whoever shares it, you're going to hear the Word of God preached. Because His Word is true. It don't matter whether you're here. It don't matter whether you're there. But His Word is true. And we need it on a daily basis. On behalf of Pastor Stevie and and Missy Lane, our pastor, uh, they welcome you to our online service. If there's anybody has any prayer requests or anything they want to make known, just get on, get on your comments part there and, 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 and give a comment. Say, hey, pray for me. If you want to give your heart to the Lord, say, I want somebody to pray for me. we got enough saints of God, enough leaders in this church watching online. They can stop what they're doing and pray for you right there where you're at. But I just thank God for what he's done in my life. And I thank God for the opportunity to preach the gospel. I thank God for, for the opportunity for growth. You know, I've only been preaching about a year or so. And, and each time each time I preach, I believe there's growth that shows up in my life. But growth doesn't just happen. Growth is intentional. We've got to be intentional about our growth. We've got to be intentional about our walk with God. Because it's not only a walk. Sometimes it's a race. Sometimes it's a marathon, you know. But today, you know, I got to thinking about, God, what would you have me to preach? And Pastor Stevie dropped a little bug in my ear last week about something he wanted to preach. But God told me, he released me to go ahead and preach it myself. It was just a, just a simple thing to lay aside every weight. But I, you know, I put, put what God gave me to put with it. And I can remember in school, I wasn't good at a lot of sports. Um, I wasn't really raised with a father to play catch with me and stuff, so I wasn't really good at baseball. I mean, I was all right. I I, I come along and got got pretty good at it. Uh, I remember basketball, boy. I would I would hustle my tail off, brother Keith. I would hustle. I I'd, I'd put it in, and and, and I play good defense, but I wasn't a good shooter or ball handler. So I, I I might not be picked last, but it was close to last. And they picked me because they didn't want to play against me because I was rough. I foul you. I throw an elbow on you or something. But I'm really, really good at basketball. But, I, I mean, I tried. I, I had heart. I give my all. I'm like football, you might can't tell now. I am got pretty big. You know, I, I just celebrated my 38th birthday Friday, and I am got pretty big. Now, I used to be 140 pounds second went in high school. I was skin and bones. I mean, I was, I was bony. I was small. And uh, I tried out for football, and they let me play. But I didn't have enough meat to back up, you know, my heart. I wasn't a big boy. You know, so I, I wasn't doing much good on the football field. 
Uh, the sport, uh, but they're, they're, you know, soccer, I was real good at soccer. Any sport that involved a lot of running, I was normally good at it. Uh, track and field was one of my favorites. Uh, I can run distance. I remember I'd, I'd lock in on a pace and stick my chest out, and I could run for days, seemed like. You know, I can't now. I, I need to get back in shape so I can do something like that. But running, running track and running a mile in particular, and I did high jump and long jump, but running distance was my thing. And if we can take some lessons from track and field or we can take some lessons from running in general and apply them to our Christian life. And today I want to talk about staying on track. Staying on track. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Again, that's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Now, as I thought about celebrating my, my 38th birthday, I'm, I'm pushing 40, and uh, I, I feel the need to start back getting in shape. And it's not just, well, my birthday is after New Year's every year, so you could call it a New Year's resolution, but I just see myself getting older and looking in the mirror, and I need to do something about my life. But how many of us know it's not just good enough to say we need to do better? We got to start applying it. We got to start, dis- I got to start disciplining myself to push back from the table. That's my biggest problem. I love to cook and I love to eat. And, 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 and I have a hard time when I fix me a big plate is not finishing my plate because we were raised up. You better finish what's on your plate. Sometimes we, fi- we fix too much and we'll eat till we're about to bust and keep eating. And that's one of my biggest problems. I need, I need to slim up on portion sizes. But I don't just need to talk about it. I need to be about it. Talk is cheap. We, we say, boy, it's the new year. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to quit. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do this. But talk is cheap. Unless we get up off our bahonkuses or whatever you want to call it and start doing something about it, it's not going to happen sitting on the TV watching Netflix eating about 12 chocolate chip cookies. I ain't got no help. I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers at nobody. I'm, I'm pointing fingers at me. That's what I like to do. I like to keep back and eat some sweets. And I wanna, it, it, after we eat supper, I get to chilling out, relaxing. I said, baby, what we got sweet? sweet <laughs> What's we got sweet to eat? Keith and Darius know they hang out with us. We love to cook some brownies and some, and some, and some, and some uh, cookies and everything like that. But, you know, there comes on a time in our life. Just because it's not terrible for us don't mean it's good for us. There's, there's, there's stuff that's good in moderation. But there's some stuff in our lives that we got to get rid of. But um, let's read our scripture. Again, that's Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 11. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Read that verse one more time. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance. There's that word run. I told you we're going to be talking about track and field today. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Keeping our eyes on Jesus the source and perfecter of our faith. We're keeping our eyes on Jesus because we need him. Boy, that that was on time. We need thee, and we need to keep our eyes on him. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lied before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then he switches, he switches gears here a little bit. So that first, that first couple of verses there, you know, just give you a little context. This is the start in the verse 12. But the writer of Hebrews is coming out of verse 11. In order to put context on something, you've got to read what's before and you've got to read what's after. My key verse here is, is lay aside every hindrance to sin that easily stares us. But in order to understand verse 1, I got to understand what happened in verse 11, or chapter 11, and I got to read all the way down to verse 11 to, to, to get the big pictures. So, to give you context on it, this cloud of witnesses, if you go turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and look in your Bible, it's called the Faith Hall of Fame. And it talks about, it talks about how, how, how Enoch, or, or how Cain and Abel had to do a sacrifice, and, 
And Abel's sacrifice was pleasing to God, and God loved his sacrifice. And by faith, Abel did this. Then it talks about Enoch, how Enoch didn't see death, that God came down. He translated Enoch. He was probably the first one to what we call raptured up. And then it goes to talking about Noah and how Noah had faith, and he built this ark and, and saved God's people. And it starts talking about Abraham. So by faith, Abraham, God started a great, uh, 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 great people with neighbor Abraham, Father Abraham. Had many sons. He had a promise that God gave him. So it talks about all these people. And then it gets to chapter 12. The, the, the following chapter says, Therefore, when you see therefore, that means there was something before they was talking about. When we read the Bible, we can't just start in chapter 1 uh, or, or verse 1 of chapter 12 and assume that it just happened because scrolls went on and on and on when they wrote back then. There was no separation. This didn't happen until it was translated into English. So when it says, therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses, since all these witnesses in chapter 11 of Hebrews, let us lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us. There are some things that, that I, believe, uh, I believe Abel probably had to deal, deal with, Enoch had to deal with, Noah, um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All these heroes of faith had to deal with some stuff. And since we have all these witnesses that made it through, because Enoch was translated, he walked with God. He, was, he did what was pleasing in God's sight. Since his Abel's sacrifice was good, and since, since Noah, he, he was obedient to God, he built this ark. And since Abraham was obedient to God, and, and he started this generation of people that were God's people, we should be able to take what God has given us to do and do it, do it to the same effect that they did it. Because they're heroes of faith. They had to lay aside some hindrances. I believe, I believe when Abraham was, was walking with his son Isaac, and the only son, he, or the, the, the son of promise that God had given him as a son of promise, and God told him to go up on the hill and sacrifice Isaac, but that was a hard thing to do. He could have got hindered in what God had told him to do, but he, but he was obedient. He was, he was so obedient, he, he had the knife and was going to do it, and God stopped it. He provided a sacrifice during that time. And then it says... Let us run with endurance, um, lay aside the hindrance and the sin. There's there's some things in our life that may hinder us from running this race with God. It may slow us down. It may drag us out. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. And we got to run with endurance. And uh, King James Bible says, run this race with patience. And that patience word in the King James is actually translated endurance. It's not sitting around waiting on something. It's it's you'll keep on. You're going to keep on until you can't anymore. It's enduring something. So it goes on to the second part here. Hebrews chapter uh, 12 and 3. It says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. Consider what Christ went through. Consider what he had to endure. And maybe that'll help us not grow weary and give up. Say, I might as well just go back to sin and, or, or, or I might as well give in to this temptation. Hebrews 12 and 4 says, And struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. We think sin's so powerful. We've been on this Christian walk, and, and, and we, we start slipping up saying bathroom words or something. Or, or we start slipping up and watching programs we don't need to, need to watch. And we say, well, it's not that bad. I, well, it, you know, we all fall short. Uh, it, it happens. We're, you know, we're not perfect. We're, we're saved by grace. But have you resisted to the point of shedding your blood? God, that kicked me all in the stomach when I read it. Lord, have mercy, Jesus. Sometimes we preach stuff that applies to us first, and then we got to give it to y'all. Come on now. Have we resisted to the point of shedding our blood? I tell you what Christ did. He's our ultimate example. Wow. You couldn't stop right there. I'd have to preach itself, but I'm going to keep going. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. We're sons and daughters. That's what he's telling you. Don't forget now, you're sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. Verse 6 says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Enduring suffering as discipline, 
God is dealing with you as sons, sons and daughters. All right. For the for the son is there that a father does not. For what son is there that the father does not discipline? But if you were without discipline, which all received, then you were illegitimate children and not sons. If you're not being disciplined, then you might not be a son of God, or, or you might need to question question your question your faith. Furthermore, we have human fathers discipline us. We respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of spirits and live? Verse 10 says, For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them. But he does it for our benefit so that we can share in his holiness. God disciplines us for our benefit so we can share in his holiness. The Bible tells us to be ye holy for he is holy. And, and another, another scripture says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, for this is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. But we want, we want, we want, to, we want to live a little loose. We don't want to challenge ourselves. We don't want to discipline ourselves to live righteous and live holy in God's eyes. We're not perfect. It's good. It is hard. And we're going to fall short. But it shouldn't be a continual habitual thing. Note discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later, how, later on, however, uh, discipline is painful, but later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. To those who have been trained by it. Just because you get disciplined don't mean you learn from it. I remember I, I, I think back, my, mama was rough on me. She tore my tail up a many a day, but it, it made me a better person. And looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty. I wish she would have tore my tail up a little bit more often. And maybe I would have been even a, an even better person. But this discipline, if you're trained by it, if you take this discipline and take heed to it, then you have a, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. But sometimes we don't want to take heed to the discipline God's given us. All right, so my first point is, what race are we talking about? The writer of Hebrews, as well as the apostle Paul, uh, compare our Christian walk in ministry to a race. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27, Paul talks about runners in a stadium. And he talks about runners in a stadium because he's writing to the Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church, they understood these, Athens, these Olympian games. And, and, they, and he was talking in terms where they can understand it. Sometimes we need to preach and teach in ways that people can understand it. We shouldn't always teach and preach in ways that's over people's heads that they don't get it. See, Paul said, I'll be all things to all men. And he, he, he broke it down to the Corinthians so they could understand what he was talking about. So Paul says, he's talking about runners in a stadium. How they all run, but only one receives the prize. He tells us to run in a way to win the prize. He tells us that everyone who competes trains for it. And they exercise self-control just to win a perishable crown. But we, an imperishable crown. So those, those runners in the Olympian Games, they train they work out, they do push-ups, they do sprints, they do stretches, and they do all this to win a crown that's perishable. Well, us as Christians, we need to, we need to exercise self-discipline. We need to train ourselves, but we're going to win an imperishable crown. We're going to win a crown that won't burn up, it won't rust, it won't rot. Nobody can take it from us. But guess what we're going to do with that crown? When we get that crown, we're going to lay it down at the master's feet. But that shouldn't stop us from running for that prize. Come on. It's not just win winner. We all got an opportunity for this crown. All of us. He tells us that he doesn't, Paul says, he doesn't just run aimlessly. Instead, he disciplines his body and brings it under strict control so, so that after preaching to others, he himself will not be disqualified. He, Paul says, I do all this. I discipline myself. I put my body under subjection. I try to rid myself of all this sin so that when I'm preaching to you about your sin, I'm not disqualifying myself. Uh, Brother Miles, he, he talked Wednesday night about being passionate. And, 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 and it's hard to be passionate about something that you're not practicing. Woo. Lord, have mercy, Jesus. Come on, somebody help me. Woo. It's hard to be passionate about something that you're not practicing. That's why character is so important. That's why discipline is so important. Because if, I can't tell you how to build a house if I never build a house. If I say put that nail there and I, ain't, I don't know nothing about putting that nail there, it's doing you no good. 
It's being hypocritical. So in order to be passionate or in order not to cancel yourself out or be disqualified from your race, you got to practice what you preach. Paul's basically saying how we how can we preach about how to live if we're not trying to live right, you know, himself. Uh, winning a race requires purpose and discipline. Paul uses this illustration to explain that the Christian life takes hard work, self-denial, and grueling preparation. The ra- winning a race requires purpose. What is my purpose? Well, God saved me. But guess what? God did not save me to warm a pew. God did not just save me to hear, hear, sit here on a Sunday morning and just, you know, hear the preacher preach, yes and amen, go back home and live the same way we're living. God saved me for a work in ministry. Each and every one of us has a purpose. Each and every one of us has a calling. And sometimes we forget that. We want to sit down on our seat and do nothing, just let everybody else labor and just reap the fruit of the benefits of their labor. And, hey, that's fine. You'll save. You're going to make it into heaven. But guess what? The, the, the harvest is great, but the labors are few is what Jesus said. He needs you. He needs you to get up off your seat. He needs you to discipline yourself. He needs you to deny yourself. Sometimes we got to deny the flesh. If I'm going to lose weight and I want to get in shape, I'm going to have to deny my flesh some food. I'm going to have to discipline myself to exercise. I'm going to have to go down there to Stables Fitness and get on that treadmill or something. But it's not going to happen by sitting at home and doing nothing. God wants you to, he wants you to do something great in the kingdom of God. He wants you to do something wonderful. He wants you to help win some souls. There's people dying and going to hell on a daily basis. He needs you. Like Uncle Sam says, I need you. But God needs you to do something for him too. The disciplines of prayer, Bible study, and worship equipped us to run with vigor and stamina. The disciplines of prayer, Bible study, and worship. Now, you know, one thing you just can't observe from the grandstand. You got to get out and you got to do something about it. The disciplines of prayer. Prayer is a very, very important thing in your Christian walk. And, and sometimes, I don't care how long you've been saved, sometimes we fall short in this area. We just pray when we're asked to or we pray before our meal and it's the same old ritualistic prayer before bedtime. But God wants us to spend some good quality time with him. And maybe a 15 minutes, hour or so, if, if you can give him that much. Or if you spend two hours. But guess what? When you spend all that time with God, guess what? God wants you to also spend time with your family. God also wants you to spend time at your work because you've got to provide for your family. You've also got to be a good steward over everything else God has given you. If you spend all your time in the closet and you're not going out witnessing to somebody, if you, if you, if you follow Jesus' patterns in the Bible, when he would go and he, he'd wake up a great while before dawn and he'd go spend time with the Father and he'd spend a couple hours with God and he'd pray, then he would go out and he would do ministry. It's good to spend time, but you need to be doing something for God with you know, what he's given you. What about Bible study? A lot of us say, man, it's Wednesday night. Bible study is not that important. I'll be there, you know, Sunday morning, I'll get some preaching. But guess what? Just Sunday morning ain't good enough. You need somebody teaching you the Word of God on a Wednesday night. You need to be teaching yourself the Word of God. You need to uh, open your Bible, knock the dust off of it. And don't tell me there ain't no dust on it because I know, I know how it is. I've been here and I've done that. I've been on this walk about a good 13, 14 years. And I understand what it's like to lay my Bible down after on a Sunday morning and not pick it up to the next Sunday morning. But I also know what it's like to spend hours with God and even at times after work when I wash and, and sit down and spend time in his word. I understand what that's like too, but sometimes we can get off track. I'm talking about getting off track. When you're running track and field, and, and, and you know, sometimes in, in a short race on 100-meter or 200-meter relay, you got to stay in your lane. You can't move. And on, on a distance run, you can move. But anybody who runs outside of the track is disqualified. And sometimes in your Christian walk, you can get off track, and you can get outside of track, and you, dis- you can disqualify yourself from the race. Be weary, Christian folks. Sometimes we got to go back to the way we used to be when we first got saved. Remember when you first got saved and you was on fire for God? You want to do everything for God. But sometimes down the line we got a little lazy. We said, well, I might not read tonight. I'm going to wait. 
I'm going to wait till tomorrow night. Then tomorrow night you put it off again. Or, or tomorrow night something come up and you're too busy. I know what it's like. I'm speaking, I'm speaking from a place of experience. I know what it's like. Well, I, 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 I'm going I'm to wait. And, well, I, I, you get in the bed and you're tired and you're too lazy to roll out and get on your knees and pray. Come on now. And you lay there trying to pray to God and you fall asleep on them. That, come on now. We got to do better. We can't just talk about doing better. We got to do better. We got to put it into practice. Try not to get ahead of myself. Disciplines of prayer, Bible study, and worship. Worship is just as important as Bible study and prayer. That intimate time with God. I love public worship. It feels good when we get in here and we're on these instruments and the praise team's singing and we're all got our hands lifted and, and the presence of God comes down and touches us. Well, that's awesome. But it's also awesome when I'm sitting in my truck driving down the road and I got some Maverick City or whatever I listen to, Elevation playing in there, and I, and I raise my hands and tears start coming to my eyes and I'm praising God right by myself. You see, sometimes you, can't, you might not have time to get in the closet, but when you're going down the road by yourself, you can cut on some music and you start talking to God going down the road. It ain't necessarily got to be at home. You got to make time where time's available in between times. Oh, I'm going to spend this time with God. Instead of, instead of scrolling through Facebook and Snapchat, I'm going to break out my Blue Letter Bible app and I'm going to start reading about reading God's Word instead of doing that. You say, we got to look. I don't have time. Well, you got to make time. You got to set, set aside some of these things that's distracting you and put God in there. Huh? We can do that. I get off work at five or six o'clock, but but sometimes I have to ride from I have to ride from Pembroke to to, to, to Southern Pines, or I have to ride from Pembroke to, to Fayetteville, and now there's another fellow with me can drive, and I might let him drive, and I might study my Bible for forty five minutes to an hour. When I was riding the Topsail Island working, I would have two hours. I would study the Word of God. We got to look and see where where is places that I can put my because we do have busy lives. We're not just sitting around doing nothing. We have to work and we have to make a living. And we have to spend time with our family. But there's times you can insert God in there where you haven't been inserting God. And you can spend an intimate time with him. We can't just observe from the grandstand or the pew. We can't just exert, uh, exercise a couple of days because it's New Year's resolution. We got to train diligently. Our spiritual progress depends on it. In some cases, somebody else's spiritual progress depends on it. Our spiritual progress depends on us training. It depends on us doing these things, putting these things into practice. It depends on us, you know, my, 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 my exercise regimen depends on whether I'm going to be fit or not. My diet depends on whether I'm going to lose weight or not. So, so your walk with the Christ and this race that we're running is going to depend on whether you train for it or not. It's going to, and that's going to depend on you, and it may, and it may it affect your walk. But guess what? Somebody in a position like me or a position like Darius and Keith or somebody that's ministering like Pastor Stevie, sometimes, sometimes our, our exercise regimen is, is, is dependent on someone else's walk. They need to hear the Word of God. They need to hear the Word of God, not just, well, i got to teach Wednesday night. Um, I pick up my Word on a Tuesday and I put something together, or I study all day Wednesday, and I, I throw something out there when I get to know. What people need to hear when they come in here on a Wednesday night or when they step on a Zoom call, somebody that's cultivated the Word of God all week. And they've, they've dug down, and they've studied, they, they studied, and they've dug in the Word of God, and they went back and forth. They've done Word studies. They need, they need the Word of God from somebody who's going to give it to them straight. They need the Word of God who's somebody, from somebody who's going to give it to them with purpose, with somebody who's going to give it to them with, with order. They're going somewhere with it. They're just not aimlessly throwing out what this is what's on my heart. It's, this is what God's called me and he's prepared me to do. I need somebody who's going to be prepared. Someone else is counting on you. Teachers, preachers, ministers. Somebody's counting on you to study. Somebody's counting on you to do your due diligence. Somebody's counting on you to be a good steward of what God has given you. Somebody's, we're counting on Pastor Stevie. He's, he's been called to raise up sons and daughters. He's been called to, to raise up uh, future generational leaders in this community. But guess what he's doing? Pastor Stevie's invested in himself. It's evident. I've been around him. I know when, he, when Pastor Stevie's got downtime in the deer stand, he's got his earbuds in. He's listening to stuff to pour into himself. Now, he's not just teaching stuff that he doesn't practice. Come on now. 
He's not just teaching stuff, what, throwing stuff out. Well, you need, to, you need, you need self-growth. You need to start starting your self-growth. He's not just telling you that. He's practicing these things. I know. I've spent time with him. And, 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 it, and it has a good effect on me because I know he's practicing these things. And he can be passionate about it because I know he's practicing those things. I might say he teaches a lot about leadership. That's what he's called to do, raise up leaders. Jesus taught leadership. It's all in the Bible, from, from, the, book, from the book of Genesis all the way to Revelations. Lord, have mercy. I have none of this in my notes, but that's okay. God forbid we get off track in our Christian walk and disqualify ourselves from finishing the race that is set before us or disqualify ourselves from ministering to others. We don't want to disqualify ourselves from ministering to others. Somebody's soul is waiting in the gap. So there's somebody watching online today that's listening to me, and their souls, well, they may not be saved. Or they, they may be a Christian who's struggling with some of this stuff. They may be a Christian who's running this race, and they're bogged down with all, these, all this other stuff. They may need to hear this. And if I don't do my, good, my due diligence to study and present it right, then it, it, it's, it's no good. I'm, I'm about canceling myself out. It's not hard to get off track, <laughs> I've done it, but guess what? God's grace is sufficient. And it's his grace that will help you stay on track. We have to do like the scripture says. We have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus because we need him. We need thee, Lord. The source and perfecter of our faith. The race is not, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's not to the swift. It's the one who endures to the end. Uh, when we run, we've got to keep our eyes focused on our goal and on the finish line. I know when I was running, when I was running distance, I was running track. I didn't look behind me because if you look behind you, that slows you down. You're, you're too focused on what's behind you, not focused on straight ahead. If you start looking around, you may run off the track. best thing for you to do is keep your, keep your eyes focused on the goal. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. If you keep your focus, if you keep your focus on God and the things of God, you'll stay on the track. But when you start getting distracted by all this other stuff, guess what? You'll start running off the track. Or if you turn around and look, see what's behind you, you may run, out, run that way. You've got to keep your eyes focused on God and things of God. We can't worry about someone else's race. <laughs> We've got to keep ourselves on track. The Bible tells us to work out our own soul salvation with fear and trembling. We've got to look at our own lives to check ourselves to see what we need to get rid of. I can't worry about what Darius and Keith's carrying around. I can't worry about what everybody, what Kenya's got in her life. I've got to worry about Mike. Even though if God gives me something to preach and it hits you, that, I mean, that's what God, God's doing that through me. Well, we got to worry about ourselves. We always want to point fingers at everybody else. We need to examine our, look in the mirror first. Look in the mirror first. Second point here, it talks about getting every. Getting rid of every weight and sin. What weight and sin is he talking about? It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to run or walk, let alone run, carrying a load of weight. I know in my, in my business, I'm a carpenter, and I carry a tool pouch, and it's got a lot of stuff in it. It's got a belt goes around my waist. It's got two bags, bag on each side. I got a speed square. I got three pouches full of nails. I got, a, I got a tape measure over here. I got a chalk box. I got a hammer. I got a knife. I got a set of snips. That's a lot of weight walking around. Not only a lot of weight, that's just all over the place. When I walk, I have to hold my hammer because it's just slapping stuff. But I, 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 love, I love the times when I, when I just have to cut some trim or bend some metal. I just have to have that tape and that knife and my pencil. I ain't carrying around much weight. I can move a whole lot faster when I'm carrying around less weight. When I got that pouch on, it's like, good gracious, my back hurts. I mean, it's just all in the way. And when we're, when we're, it's the same thing with us as Christians. We get a, we get a lot of weight and stuff we're carrying around. <laughs> Any chance I get to take that weight off to work, I will, because I can move faster. It's easier. Notice what the scripture says every weight and sin. Sometimes we're carrying around stuff that ain't doing us a bit of good. It may not be a sin, but it ain't doing us no good. Like, Depression. The Bible says that God has, God has given us authority over every evil spirit, every vexing spirit, to call it out in the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 
We must remember that, that we're a child of the one true God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made in his image and in his likeness. We must give thanks. And, not, and, and God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. I come against the spirit of depression right now in the name of Jesus. Anybody watching this in this camera? I come against the spirit of anxiety right now in the name of Jesus. You must leave. God has given us this power. I know what it's like to deal with depression. I've been depressed half my life. Don't, never realized I was, sometimes we're depressed and don't even know it. I've dealt with anxiety. I remember there was times, like two, three, four, five months in a row, I'd wake up and a panic attack, my heart beating out my chest. I think I was having a heart attack, waking the wife up. And I remember one Sunday morning, my wife stood up in church and said, I want you to pray for my husband. Lay hands on him. He's having these panic attacks, this anxiety. They laid hands on me, ain't had one since. Come on now, I ain't got no help. I'm telling you, the power of God is real. Anxiety is real, depression is real, but the power of God is real. And God's power is power over everything. He's Jesus, the name above all names. He's the name above anxiety. He's the name above depression. Come on, somebody. His name trumps all this other stuff. When they laid their hands on me, I, that's been years ago. When I was still in New Co I ain't had a panic attack since. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above everything we can ask or even put in our mind to think of. He's able to rid you of depression. There's still stuff I deal with. Sometimes I think I'm not good enough. I feel like I'm not good enough to stand before you. But on my own, I'm not good enough. It's his grace. It's his righteousness. My righteousness is but filthy rags. But when we put on the righteousness of God, that's what qualifies us to do his work in ministry. Come on now. It's his righteousness. I'm not good enough. If I was good enough, we wouldn't need, if we could live good enough, we wouldn't need Jesus. It's his righteousness that helps us stand before people and preach the gospel. That's why we got to keep stuff like that in our minds. It's important to know the word of God. We need to know the Word of God and what it says about being depressed and what it says about having anxiety. The Bible tells us not to be anxious for nothing, but in everything give praise. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. God delivered me and he can do the same thing for you. <laughs> we can't let these things get in the way of uh, God's call on our life. I thought about bitterness. You know, we... we we talked about depression, anxiety. Those aren't, those, aren't, those aren't sins. Those are stuff people deal with on a daily basis. And those things like that can hinder you from, from, from doing what God's called you to do. They can hinder you from a life of ministry that God's called you to. I thought about bit, uh, bitterness. And uh, I got this word a couple weeks back. from We were on a Zoom call. It says, when someone does, you, does us wrong, we must forgive them in order to, to be forgiven. In order for God to forgive us, we have to forgive other people. We've, pre we've taught forgiveness in here. We've preached it. Um, that's, not, that's not my words. That's Jesus' words. Jesus said, unless you forgive, the Father in heaven won't forgive you. One thing I know when someone you've loved has done you wrong, it's hard to forgive. It's not easy. It's hard. But guess what? It's required. In order for your forgiveness to happen, you've got to forgive those who have done wrong to you. Jesus forgave those who, who, who betrayed him. He, for, he forgave Peter who, who, who denied him three times. He forgave the ones who slapped his face. He forgave the ones who spit on him. He forgave the Roman soldiers who plaited the crown of thorns, placed it on his head, took a reed and smote it. He forgave them. He forgave the ones who drove the nails in his hands. He forgave the ones who drove the nails in his feet. He, gave, he forgave the soldier that pierced him in his side. He forgave all the multitudes of crowds that followed him around, wanting miracles and wanting to be fed. And then at, same, at the next moment, they said, like, crucify him, crucify him. He forgave those. Have, ha, have you been able to forgive like Jesus has? Have we resisted to the point of shedding our blood? Have we resisted these sins to the point of, have we, have we pushed ourselves to forgive to the, to, to the capacity that Christ forgave? Now, be honest now, now that we, we're not Christ. We're not him. We're not as good as he is. And he did a thing that we, we will never be able to do on our own. But guess what? The, Christ lives in us. And we've we got to be able to let go of these things because he gives us this power. He gives us this grace. Brother Rivas preached last week about killing these things at the root. He preached the word last week now. 
Uh, and a lot of times, these, these hang-ups, and, and what he preached was spot on. These hang-ups have roots. Uh, there's a tree at my house. It's been growing up through my chain-link fence since I've been there. Every year, I take my pruners, and I cut out the limbs, and a couple months later, it's grown right back up through the... What I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to dig down, and I'm going to have to cut the roots, and I have to get the roots up. And in order to correct a problem like that, you gotta, you got to kill the root. There's stuff you can spray on them now, a root killer and all that stuff there. But the Bible teaches us in Hebrews 12 and 15, see to it, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. How, how could we fail to obtain the grace of God? What a lot of part of this verse tells us, it said that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it, Many become defiled because the root of bitterness has taken hold in our lives and it's birthed unforgiveness. And, and that unforgiveness, it means that we're not forgiven because we're not showing unforgiveness. So be careful that the root of bitterness, when someone does you wrong or, or, or when, someone, when someone's done someone you love wrong, and you get bitter against that person. You start talking about them. You start backbiting. You start running them down in the dirt in the community. You're talking trash about them. You're wishing the worst about them. You hope their business fails and everything else. Be careful that that root of bitterness doesn't take hold in your heart and birth unforgiveness that springs up. Come on, you might cut unforgiveness down, but that bitter root's still there. You got to get down to the root of the problem and stop being bitter about people who's done you wrong. You got to realize that God is the Savior, and He sent His Son Jesus, and He forgave all those people. And guess what? Well, for Christ's life, we got to be able to forgive some people too. That root of bitterness, it can drag you down. The Bible also tells us in Ephesians 4 and 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Malice. When we get angry with someone and we leave that unchecked, that bitter root takes hold. We start to have negative thoughts, and, and pretty much after that becomes sin. We've got to learn to deal with these things. Unforgiveness is like a poison. It's like a prison. It's not, it's, not, uh, it's not a prison for the person that you're not forgiven. It's a prison for you. You're holding that thing in your heart. It'll, there, there's, there's times I've been upset with people, and it'll plague my mind. I can't even focus on the things of God. I can't focus to pray. I can't focus to read my word because I'm all going over and over in my mind how that person did me wrong and how I want to say something to get back to them or how I want to do this and how I want that that. That unforgiveness to hold you prison, it'll hold you captive, it'll drag you down. That's another weight. That's another weight. What about distractions? We talked about bitterness, talked about anxiety, talked about depression. What about distractions? With a society full of technology, TV screens, phones, tablets, laptops, social media... It's easy to get distracted. Not, not only that, well, I mean, what, what about all these political scandals, these riots and protests? It, it's depressing, man. You're talking about depressing. Cut on the news. What, I mean, scroll through Facebook with all this stuff happening with, with President Trump and all this mess. I mean, it just caused you just want, good gracious, cut it off. I've unplugged for a while. I just got back on Facebook and it's exploded again. I'm about to stop again. All these distractions. What about chasing that dollar for a bigger house, a fine car, uh, or, or, or that motorcycle, or that boat? Those things are good to have, but, uh, you know, you, you have to work so much overtime to pay for them that you miss church. You know, is, is that new boat and that new house, you know, and you got to work on Sunday or Wednesday night and miss church to pay for it, is it really worth it? That's a distraction taking you away from God. I'm not, there's nothing wrong. I own a motorcycle. I love it. I get on my motorcycle and then play worship music going down the road with my hand in there. You know, but, but, you know, you can't let these things take you away from God. I don't need, I don't need to leave here on a Sunday morning early. Uh, well, I went to Sunday school and, and we did worship, and I didn't stay for preaching. They're having that, they're having that bike run down there at C&P Mini Mart. I'm going to go down there and get on that bike run and miss church. Come on now. Be careful. It's for a good benefit. Well, yeah, but being in church is for your benefit. Or, or, or down there at the lake, on, on, I'm going camping to the lake this week, and I'm going to miss church to be on the lake. Nothing wrong with being on the lake. But guess what? God's house, it, it's important to be here. It's important to hear the word of God. Now, we, now we're on social media, so you can sit anywhere and listen to it. 
Right now, there ain't nobody here, but there's probably people sitting in their bed, and that's fine. When I, when I, when I could see it and we're pre-recorded, I'd sit in my bed and watch it. But we can't get too comfortable in that lifestyle. We're, we're coming back to the building again. You know, what about you work so much, you're so worn out by the time you get home. You don't have any energy or time to spend with God in his word and prayer. You know, Brother Keith, I've been like that. I've, I've left work and I've gone to other jobs. I've, I'm working day and night. And get home and ain't got, hey, I'm wore out. I'm just wanting to fall out somewhere. It, was it worth it? Is it worth me working like that? And that's, that's one reason when I started my business, I quit taking on work in the evenings. I said, man, this, this is killing me. You know, I, I, I can't keep doing this. I've been there and done that. It's easy to get caught in these traps, friend. Or like the Bible calls them snares. A snare is like a piece of wire or rope they would use as a trap, and they'd have that wire in a circle, slip knot on it, and a bird would step in it, and it would catch their leg, and they'd get caught up on it. It's the same thing with some of these things. Sometimes, you know, we'd say, well, I'm going to start a Facebook account to catch up with old friends. The next thing we know, we're, we're caught in this snare where every five minutes we're looking at our phone and we're sitting there scrolling for hours and hours because we got caught in this snare. But the sad part about it is that sometimes we don't, we don't realize we're caught in that snare. We don't know how to get out. That's the reason it's important to examine ourselves. We've got to be honest and we've got to learn to look at ourselves. We've got to learn to look in that mirror and say, how can I do better? Or when you're sitting there and you're scrolling, scrolling through Facebook and your child's talking to you and you ain't heard a word they're said, wow, you're caught in a snare. Come on now. Talking about traps. Snares of the enemy. The, 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 the enemy sets these snares. He sets these traps. There's nothing wrong with looking at Facebook here and there. Or, or there's nothing wrong with Snapchat or Instagram or any of this stuff. A lot of these are good platforms for ministry. But when it starts hindering you and it takes the place of God, it becomes an idol and becomes a problem. It becomes a sin. Be careful with these distractions. Be on the lookout for these traps. Sometimes we get out of a trap and know it's a trap and come back by and get right back in the trap again. We got to be on the lookout. We got to know if, if, if you know, drinking something I dealt with as a sinner. I love to drink. Now that I'm saved, I don't, I stay away from that stuff. I mean, there's no, I mean, I just don't put myself subject to that because God brought me out of that. Same thing with smoking marijuana. I mean, I used to smoke marijuana and I, I don't go around it. I don't want to partake in it. I don't take these CBD oils, even though all that crap's legal. I don't do it because I know what, I know what a trap looks like. But there's stuff I have been entrapped in since I've been saved. Sometimes the enemy change up his tactics. And that snare, he might put that snare and put some camouflage on it, put some leaves on it. You won't see it till you're, till you're, already, you're already stuck in it. But you've you got to learn to recognize the enemy's tactics and his snares. We've got to be able to discern when we're caught up. And the only way to fix a problem is to admit you've got a problem. If you're not, if you don't have the fortitude, if you're not man or woman enough to say, you know what, I've got a problem, I'm messing up then you'll never correct that problem. And when you're in denial, it's hard, it's hard to fix something when you're saying, oh, man, I ain't. Back when I was drinking, I said, I'm not an alcoholic, I'm a drunk. You know, I mean, I thought that sounded cool, but that was pitiful. That was pitiful. We've got to examine ourselves on a daily basis and discipline our minds and bodies to do something about it, not to say, I've got to do better. We've got to get back on track. Remember the scripture says, every weight and sin. God's grace is sufficient, but we should not abuse it. The old man is dead. We should keep living. We shouldn't keep living the same way we did before Christ came in our lives. There should be some type of change. If we're to be Christ-like, we need to be living like Christ lived. We need to live our lives in such a way that everybody else knows it. If we continue in our ways, we can look for God to chastise us. This brings me to my last point here. <clears throat> the privilege of the son. 
of sonship, the privilege of sonship. We always hear it preached or taught about being a son or daughter of God and the benefits of being his children, how he loves us. The Bible's full of his promises that pertain to us. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed breaking bread or, or he'll meet all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He's a gracious God. He's a forgiving God. As a son, we have access to the promises of God. When we're his children, we hey. And when God hears us cry out, God answers his children. We got access to the birthright. What God is, we got access to the inheritance that God has for us as his children. He will give us the desires of our heart. He'll supply all our needs. He has plans to prosper us. I believe God wants to prosper. I believe God does want to prosper us, and he loves all of us. And his promises are true. They're yes and amen. When God puts a stamp on it, what he says, it's going to come to pass, and it's true. He is loving, he is forgiven, and he is gracious. He is also holy, he is also righteous, and he is also jealous. If we are his true, true children, he has every right to discipline us because he loves us. Let's look at that latter part of that scripture again in Hebrews 12 uh, and verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. He endured all this, so we won't grow, grow weary and give up. Have you, um, in struggling against sin, have you not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood? And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Have you forgot that he addresses you as sons and daughters? And we're, 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 we're privileged to reap all these benefits of, the, of God as sons. But guess what? My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. He disciplines us because he loves us. He wants us to get rid of this stuff that's, that's bogging us down. There's some things God's got to call on our lives and he's got something for you to do, but there's some stuff dragging you down. You ain't going to be able to run this race the way you, that God needs you to run it because you're dragging a bunch of stuff along with you. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Verse 7 says, Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. God's dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that the father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive then you are illegitimate sons. Are you truly a son? If God's not disciplining you for your actions, are you really a son of his? The devil will let you do what you want to, won't discipline you. Say, why do bad people always, you know, do good? But God's going to get the final say so. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Our moms and daddies disciplined us, we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of Spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for our benefit so that we can share in his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And uh, our, our, our opening scripture here was, lay aside every hindrance and sin that easily ensnares us. I just got to, if you want to come on to the keyboard, Brother Keith, I just got a little illustration here I want them to do in our closing. Now, sometimes we're carrying around a bunch of baggage. We're carrying around a bunch of stuff that's hindering us. I can't hardly even walk, let alone run. And in, in the kingdom of God and in, this, and in this race, sometimes you're racing cross country. you got some hills to climb. I'm, I'm trying to climb these hills with all this baggage, all this hindrance in my way. I'm carrying around a bunch of stuff here, ain't I? I grabbed all kind of stuff from the house. 
And sometimes we grab all kind of stuff in our life that's hindering us. Sometimes we got to say, depression, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You stay there, depression. I ain't got no more dealings with you. I'm, I'm, to- I'm tired of toting you around. God gave me, he gave me power over these things. He gave me power over the enemy. I thought about sometimes you dragging that anxiety around you anxious. Your heart's about to jump out of your chest. You don't know what to do. You're so sick of God. I'm sick away. I can't sleep at night because I'm so anxious. I can't get in crowds because I got, I got social anxiety. I'll rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I can't come to church. There's so many people. I can't get in crowds. I, I can't minister to people. I can't even talk in front of people. That anxiety is gone in the name of Jesus. I'm anxious for nothing. That little party lifestyle. That cool to some of them distractions that we used to do. Some of that drinking, some of that sin, some of that partying. I'm leaving you behind. God's got something for me to do. I can't, I can't tote you around any more addiction to alcohol. I can't touch you around no more addiction to marijuana, cocaine, any drug. God has delivered me, and His grace is sufficient. I won't see you no more. Get away. I'm so tired. I'm turning around all this stuff. Lord, remember I used to watch that pornography when I was younger? I can't watch that no more. God's called me for something greater. I can't, I can't do it. That's not of God. That's not pleasing of God. Well, I love to hunt. Well, I, I hunt all weekend if I can. This is my hunting bag. That's my hunting bag. Pastor Stevie, he trained me. I got me a hunting bag like him. Well, guess what? If that hunt becomes a distraction, it takes time from God. Well, well, I, I couldn't make it to church Wednesday night. I, I was in the deer stand waiting on the deer to come. And I, I hunt two hours away, so I couldn't make it. Sometimes it's good to hunt. There's nothing wrong with that. But if it's a distraction that hinders you from spending time with God and getting his word, you got to let it go. thought about this guitar case. Sometimes, you know, we, we love our instruments. And these instruments can be used for God and his glory. But sometimes if, if it takes away from his time, and just hey, sometimes it, you got the big head. And I'm the good. I'm I'm one of those good musicians in Robinson County. When we sit back and we look down on everybody else, they ain't as good as us. That's not of God. Sometimes they feel that good. Maybe you ought to go to mentoring somebody. Maybe you ought to go to teaching somebody. Come on, now I ain't got no help. I play everything up here. What are you What are you teaching anybody else? Huh? Or you just want to be good and let everybody else learn on their own? We got to be careful. Now I got my fight bag here. This is a, I started buying some boxing gloves and stuff. Me and them youngins get around the box, try to teach my girls how to fight. Sometimes on this journey, we got to fight. We got to fight the enemy and all these distractions. We got to gird ourselves up. We got to put on our head. We got to put on our helmet of salvation. Our blessed pray to righteousness. Have our loins girded about the truth. Our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. We got to fight the devil. If you notice in that scripture, you don't say nothing about what's on your back because he, he's coming for you. God wants you to fight the devil. He wants you to fight him with the word of God. And if you're distracted and you're not reading your word and you're not getting the word of God, you ain't got no, no weapon to fight him with. Come on, somebody. The Bible says that the Bible is a two-edged sword. It cuts going in and it cuts going out. When Jesus was took on the mountain and he was in the desert to be tempted by the devil, and when he was led to the desert to be tempted by the devil, the devil said, hey, if you're hungry, command these stones to become bread. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He said, he said, he said, well, he said, well, the Bible, you know, doesn't the word say if you throw yourself off this cliff that, that, that God's given the angels charge concerning you and you won't even dash your foot against the stone? He said, the, Bible, the word says, do not tempt the Lord thy God. I said all that to say this. If the devil's coming to you with some temptation, if you know the word of God, you can back him up. Come on, somebody. Thought about my camouflage bag here. Got something in here. What's we got? Sometimes our distraction comes in camouflage. That's a tablet. That represents technology. Whatever, Facebook, YouTube. 
Netflix, Hulu, binge watching TV. This represents distraction. Sometimes the distraction is camouflage. And, and, and the camouflage, sometimes it's a snare. And, and, and guess what? I had to resist. I, I, I got to resist to the point of shedding my blood. Come on now. I got to resist to the point, point of shedding my blood. I got to fight. I got to resist the, the, the depression and anxiety again. I got to resist the party life and the drinking and the alcohol and the drugs. I got to resist all that. And I've done, I've done good with a lot of this stuff. There's still something that, that kind of just keeps snaring me up, so I, I let it go. I let it go. I let that thing go again. Sometimes I pick it back up. I'm going to look at it a little bit. Before I know, I'm, I'm caught in that snare again. Lord have mercy. What is this? And I, I got to realize that something's got me. I got to realize that something's got me. And I got to say, get thee behind me, Satan. I got to realize that I ain't got time for all that again. I got to realize that I'm living a Christian walk and I'm living for God. I got to let all this stuff go. See, once you let all this baggage go, you can run. Come on now. Woo! I can run. I can dance. I can jump because I laid aside every weight. I laid aside all this weight that was holding me back and hindering me. Come on now. I let it go. You got to do like Frozen said, let it go. I let all this stuff go. But you always have to keep your eyes out when walking. You always have to be looking for that next snare of the devil. That stuff he's brought you out of, if you used to drink, don't go in bars. Don't get around drinking. Don't even take none for medicine if it's, if it's that got to have that kind of hold on you. If you used to smoke that marijuana, them CBD joints and stuff that got in the, in the, in, 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 in the shops and stuff, don't, don't partake in that. It'll lead you down the wrong path again. You got to fight. You got to put the gloves on. Or sometimes with the devil, you got to take the gloves off. So I ain't getting no pound for you. I'm going to go hands to hands this time. You got to fight in this walk. Come on, somebody. You got to fight in this walk. I'm having to fight in this walk. Guess what? We got help. <laughs> we got help. God's got our back. He has no worthy adversary. We have an adversary, the devil. But he's not God's adversary. God, He can't do nothing with God. So God, when you go through these temptations, he'll make a way of escape. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. He'll make an escape with the same temptation. Sometimes I've cut the TV on as well. I wanted to read tonight, but I'm tired. I'm going to watch Netflix, and sometimes it wouldn't work right. I go through through everything I could trying to get the TV to work. But I put God aside. Sometimes God was making a way of escape. But think about a way of escape. He's not going to force you to take it. My, my TV wasn't working in my room, so I went to the, I went to the living room. I watched it in here. God said, well, you missed your way of escape. You're caught up. You're caught up. God will help. He'll deliver you. He's given us the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, our God. And if we, if we continue to put his word in our heart, he'll bring all this stuff to our remembrance when it's time to fight, when it's time for that temptation to come. So I just want to ask you a few questions here. Is there something weighing you down so you can't hardly make this journey? Is there something in your life that's hindering you from doing what God's called you to do? You've got to be honest with yourself. You've got to examine yourself on a daily basis. Or have, or, or, or have I let it get, get me off track? Has it already gotten you? Are you already getting off track? Are you already going to the sidelines, getting out of bounds? Am I willing to be honest with myself and identify it and take the necessary steps to correct it? You've got to be honest and you've got to say, you got to recognize these traps and these snares the devil's had you in. And you got to do what you got to do to stay away from them. Am I willing to resist sin to the point of shedding blood? That's the, that's the gut kicker right there. I, I've never even heard that verse. I've never even, I've read the Bible through and don't, and don't remember reading. I've read Hebrews a couple times. I don't remember reading that verse till now. That's, that's why it's important. I've read the Bible through, but you, did you really, I mean, did you study it? Did you slow down? Because when you slow down and see that, it's like, wow. 
wow, have I resisted to the point of shedding blood? These sins and stuff that's, that's weighing me down. We've got to ask ourselves these questions. Can I discipline myself to get rid of the distractions that hinder me from a closer walk with God or a more fruitful ministry? Are you willing to stop talking about it and be about it? Are you willing to stop saying, I've got to do better and do better? Are you willing to, 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 to grow, grow, grow some fortitude and, and start doing what God's called you to do? Are you, are you willing to let this stuff go? These distractions, these hindrances, these sins? That's, that's something you got to do. With a, I'm going to close with a prayer. And we're going to move on. If, if, if you're lost and you're watching this program today, God's able to deliver you. He delivered me. And, 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 and if you want to type into those comments and say, hey, I, I, I want to be prayed for. I know there's somebody watching today They'll pray for you. If you want to inbox somebody on there privately, they'll, they'll pray for you, and they'll lead you to the Lord. But I'm going to pray for all those that may be battling the distractions. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord. Well, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your kindness. But God, most of all, we thank you for your discipline this morning. We thank you for the times that we've gotten out of line, God, and you've taken your staff and your, and your coaches back into the fold. We thank you for the times, God, that you've left the 99 to come and see about us. We thank you for the times, God, that even though we didn't want to, you, you, you still led us to greener pastures. You still led us to fresh drinking water. We thank you for the times, God, that you've led us out of temptation. We thank you for the times, God, that, you, that you've led us to greener pastures. And God, right now, I pray for anybody under the sound of my voice that's battling depression. I rebuke you, depression, right now in the name of Jesus. You have no authority over their lives. I pray for anyone battling anxiety. Anxiety, I come against you right now in the name of Jesus. You have no authority over their lives. I pray for anybody battling sin, and whether it's a little sin or it's a big sin. It has no wool over their lives, God. I pray, God, that you help them find themselves and help them discipline themselves, Lord, and, and help them not to lay there in their sin and help them to get up, Father God, and continue to follow you to where you've called them to go. I pray for those under the sound of my voice that has distractions, distractions they don't know about, distractions they do know about. I, help, I pray that you help them see themselves and help them see what has them distracted and lay aside every weight that was so easily besets them, God. Lord, I thank you, Father God, for who you are. And I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, the name that is above all names, the name that is above all of this stuff, I thank you, Father. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Hope you enjoyed the sermon. Um, like I said, we, we do have Wednesday night Bible study via Zoom. If you go on our website, www.mtolivephc.com, you can get Zoom access to that. And I just pray, God, that you have a blessed day. And I pray this word touched your heart. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this message. For more access to our worship experiences, visit us at Mount Olive Church, 610 Normal Street in Pembroke, North Carolina. Or join us online via Facebook at Mount Olive PH Church.